Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. That's so exciting. I don't know if you guys realize, but that actually is wrong. We actually sponsored over 400 kids in uh, Cusco, Peru, and their surrounding areas. That is amazing, yeah. What I love is not only just being part of a family that, that responds to the movement of God, but just to, that God would give us that opportunity uh, and that we would seize that uh, and make a difference in the lives of kids in a place uh, that I've never been. I'm uh, looking forward to going because they're in opposite seasons, so I think it'd be amazing for us to plan a trip in the winter time here in Alaska, which would then be the summer there, so I think it could be really cool. Uh, my name is Stuart. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church, and you have found yourself, if you're in this room or you're watching us online, in the middle of a series called Search History, in which we're really going through the basic beliefs of Christianity. What do we actually believe? What are some of the core beliefs, the core values uh, that God has given us and that we hold on to. Uh, and so last week, Pastor Brian was talking about the image of God. And to, this week, we're going to be talking about what we call the fall, uh, when things went wrong with, the, with us before God in that perfect environment, right? Um, so I want to start off by letting you know that one of my favorite pastimes in my family uh, is I just like to drive. So although with gas prices going up, that may, I may have to find other ways of entertaining myself. But I like to get in the car with my family. We got five girls, so my wife and I, seven of us, we have a big Suburban. Um, and we just like to go driving sometimes. We always have like maybe a destination. We'll be going up in, maybe through Wasilla or something, but we know we're going to be stopping at like Sonic or someplace that the kids like. But really, aside from that, no agenda. We're just driving. And so a lot of times we're driving, and the kids are having a great time, and they're relaxed. And so there was one time when we were driving, and the kids are just, they're, everybody's in a great mood. It's just, it's a fun day, we're getting out as a family, and we're all in this car, but sometimes things can get intense in the poteet car, and so there was a moment um, a, a few years ago where we're driving, and my kids, they're having a great time, and I want to, I don't want to just tell you they're having a great time, I actually have video of what a great time looks like in the poteet car sometimes, so here we go.
if you don't have kids and you're thinking about it. <laughs> so that's happening in the back. A lot of joy is happening in this car. And, the, and what I'm finding is I'm driving, and this is, things like this are going on, and my blood pressure is going up, and I'm getting agitated. And, I'm fr like, and I finally get to the point where it's just out of control. I can't even hear my wife, and we're trying to, you know, we're a foot and a half from each other. I can't even hear her. And so I scream at my kids, knock it off. Your happiness is ticking me off. <laughs> yeah, and so as I look at that, you know, it, yeah, they were too loud, but, you know, my response was over the top. Um, I said it a little more aggressively and um, firmly because, you know, I wanted to establish dominance for my, you know, five-year-old kids. Um, <laughs> but there's this, as I, you know, I review that, and they still make fun of me for saying that. Um, is our happiness ticking you off, Dad? Yeah. So, but I review that in my mind. I'm like, why? I've been a Christian for most of my life. I grew up in the church, and, and I, I feel like I have, you know, kept my eyes focused more or less on God and working, allowing God to work in my life. And yet, I still find myself, no matter how hard I try to extricate the bad in my life and, and focus on the good, that things like that happen, these moments of outbursts in Things that I say to people or do to people are just offensive. And I'm like, I, I get discouraged. Like, why, do I, why is this still part of me? And then I ask, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm alone in this. But I ask the question, what's wrong with me? And then as I look around at, the, at, at you beautiful people that came today, I ask this question, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and then really, is, what, if anything, can we do about it? What can be done about this situation? Because we... I, I don't think I'm alone. Um, I, I've talked to enough, enough of you to know that we're all broken, right? We all got issues. Um, and we, we can struggle with that. Maybe you, you're like me and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you still struggle with, you, you understand the depths of your brokenness, but you struggle with, like, why can't I just get it right? Why can't I make, when given a choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing, why is it that sometimes I just jump both feet into the wrong thing? Maybe you're a new believer and you've just recently started following Jesus and you're disappointed or discouraged because your new life in Christ didn't lead to a perfect life in Christ, not a sinless life. Maybe you're not a believer and you're here visiting and you're just, you got some questions and you're, maybe you're just wondering, if there is a good God, how come there is evil in the world? How come bad things happen in spite of a good and holy God? Those are big questions. These are tough questions. The good news is that God didn't leave us wondering at the answers. He gave us very specific and directed advice and understanding to these issues. And so today, if you have your Bible, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. So you can turn there in your Bible. Uh, if you have the Version app or another Bible app, you can check that out. If you haven't, and I highly recommend that you do, uh, is you download the ACF Church app. And there's a, a few benefits. First, you have all the notes. Uh, you have this card that was on your seat. Uh, it's online as well. The uh, app has that, the notes on there. And so this is me. If, you, if I write it on my physical paper, that helps me remember it for a little while. If I write it on my phone, like while I'm listening to the sermon, um, I can take notes, I can add notes, and then I can email it to myself, and then I can search for it later because I'm going to lose this piece of paper. But on the app, it's, it's going to make it so you can have it. Uh, forever. You can also listen to previous sermons, which is really cool too. But the Bible's on there as well. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 3. That's my little plug for the ACF Church app. That's all I'll say about it, maybe. 
So right, remember, if last week if you were here, if you weren't, uh, Pastor Brian talked about the image of God and that the image, we have value because God has placed his image in human beings. Uh, he hasn't placed it in anything else but human beings, and so we have an inherent value because of that. And so Brian gets to tell you the good. You're made in the image of God, and then I get to come in and tell you, by the way, something went wrong, dreadfully wrong. <laughs> something is broken inside us. So that's what we're going to start at today. So we're coming right out of, right now, there's still a perfect relationship between Adam and Eve and God, and then we see this in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to, serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Would you pray with me as we begin our look into what happened? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are a holy and a mighty and a gracious and a loving God. Lord, I thank you that we can know you, that you have revealed yourself in Scripture. Lord, I pray that you would join us in this room, that you would open our eyes to the truth, that you would allow our hearts to hear the message that you have for us this morning. Lord, let everything that we do say and think honor you. We love you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So right off the bat, we have a serpent, and that's kind of a weird scene, right? You got a talking snake, and so like some people will say, well, this is... This is an allegory, I, or others will say, well, this is a talking snake, and others will say, well, this is Satan being described as a talking snake, and I, I view that it was a, a, there was actually a creature talking to Adam and Eve uh, that was a serpent that was either being controlled by Satan, or he had taken the form of a serpent. I just take it for what it shows, um, so that's what I'm seeing, and uh, what we're told in Scripture right off the bat is that it was crafty, more crafty than any other beast of the field, and I, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word crafty. Uh, sometimes when I think of it, I have a five-year-old now. My oldest in the video, the oldest there was as old as my little one is now. But she's five. I think of like her trying to play a practical joke on me. She's pretty crafty, but I, I see it coming. I, I, can, I know it, what she's kind of up to because she can't stop but giggle and she, you know, a lot of tells. I know what's happening. That's not what this is describing. Crafty is very wise, a thought-out plan. Uh, it, think of it this way. Eve is playing checkers and Satan is playing chess. 
and she doesn't understand the rules of the game. Uh, she is going to be failing miserably. So Satan comes to her and, and asks her a question, starts to have her question, is God really good? Is God withholding something that will complete you? Is he holding, for whatever reason, is there something that he's not letting you have that you could get your hands on that would complete you, that would give you fulfillment and meaning? Is what God has said is good, really good? Or is he being deceptive? So Satan comes at, at Eve with this. And I think it's, it's interesting that Satan is tempting Eve with the very thing that got him thrown out of heaven. He, in his pride, wanted to be like God. And so he tells Eve, eat this fruit, disobey God. You can be like God. You'll know good and evil. And he's kind of telling a half-truth here, right? Because when Eve eats of the fruit, Adam and Eve eat of this fruit, their eyes are open. They know that there's a good and a bad. So they, they see something that they didn't see before. But the reality is what they saw was God is still holy and good, and something has changed in them. Something has come between them and God. And that something is what we call sin. Sin is rebellion against God in any form. It's just rebellion against God. God has said something, and we decide to do something else. That we think we know better than the God who created us, that we see something different, and we grasp for it ourselves. And so that's what Satan is tempting Eve with here. And so immediately, we, they know something's wrong. They panic, right? They, they experience guilt and shame right off the bat, something they were not meant to experience, but yet they're feeling guilt and shame, and they don't know what to do about it. They don't know how to fix the, the predicament that they're in. They can't go back. Just an aside that if you're feeling guilt and shame in your life at any time, you should stop and take a look at what is between you and God because that's an indicator that something has been broken in your relationship with God and also likely with your relationship with someone else. Guilt and shame is, is not something that you should be experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. It should drive you back to the face of God, not away from him. So they do the only thing they can, they can think to do. They hide themselves, right? They hide themselves from each other. So they, maybe I won't experience guilt and shame. I'll, I'll cover myself up, and then I'm going to hide in the, in the forest so God won't find me. And he evidently comes down, which seems like because the way it's described, that this is something that is regularly occurring. How cool would that be to be able to have strolls with God in a nice garden and conversations? That would be really cool. So God comes down, and he's like, where's Adam? Where's Eve? Where are you? He asks questions. Did God know the answer to that question? Yeah. He's not asking so he can find information out or that he can gain some understanding of the situation. He's asking because he's a, he's a compassionate God. He wants to engage them and interact with what has just happened. So he asks them questions. Where are you? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat of? What have you done? God could have come down in a flaming ball of fire with a sword of vengeance and just struck him down and been done with the whole thing. He didn't. He came down, stood with them, called them out, and faced them and talked to them and dealt with it because God is a God of truth. He doesn't pretend like it never happened. He doesn't cover it up, doesn't talk about the weather and the other animals in the garden and then, hey, by the way, there's this thing you did that, have you thought about it? You should feel bad. It's not the conversation at all. 
but he deals with it because he is, he is a God of love and mercy and grace, but he's also a God of holiness and justice and truth and righteousness. And who he is requires him to deal with it. I used to wonder as a kid, why didn't God at this moment just call a do-over? Like, things had just really gotten wound up. It clearly went off the rails. Could he just be like, okay, we're gonna start, start over. Let's, let's time out. Let's just make it like it never happened. But you realize that's not who God's character is. He is holy and righteous and just, just as much as he is loving and gracious and caring. They don't come one or the other. They're never aside from one another, or he doesn't operate only in one of those. He's always operating in who he is all the time. And so he won't overlook anything. He's going to call it what it is, and that's when he comes down and talks to them about it. God's righteousness demands our righteousness. That's the truth. That's, the, that's one of the hard pills to swallow. And I want to say, if you're here today, so if you're listening to me, don't stop listening yet. We're going to be in a tunnel for a little while. It's going to seem a little dark, and there, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But wait till the end. Wait for the hope to come. But here's the thing I want you to remember. If you remember nothing else today, if you walk out of here without anything else, remember this. Sin is a liar. Sin is a liar. It's going to tell you whatever you want to hear to draw you in. It's going to tell you, like Satan told Adam and Eve, you're not going to surely die. God said that, but you know what? You're not really going to die. You're going to understand good and evil. God's holding something back because you're going to be like God when you, when you engage in this. But he was, he was mixing a little bit of truth with a whole lot of lie. And he does the same thing today. We can justify our behavior in a lot of different ways, but sin is a liar. It will never tell you the truth. It will always promise something that it cannot deliver. So how do we answer the question, what's wrong with me? We begin to answer it by jumping to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and it says this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there's this problem that we have to deal with because Adam and Eve made a choice back in the garden. It's not that we just do bad things, that we choose to do these things. It's that there's a, there's a brokenness in us that we cannot shake, that we have inherited from Adam and Eve, from being part of the human race. It's called inherited sin. It's, it's something inside us that allows me to yell at my kids when they're having the best time of their life. And we laugh and, you know, you're like, I've been there, I understand. Like, but it, there's still a brokenness. There's, there, there are times when I can clearly in my mind know there's a really nice way to respond to this person and then there's the way I respond to this person. And they're not the same thing. And I choose, and there's a brokenness in me that no matter how much I try to pull myself up by my bootstraps and do the right thing, I still step off and do something horrible to my fellow man or between me and God or even just to myself. There's a brokenness, an inherent sin. And then that inherent sin, inherent sin leads to actions. It, it, it shows up in how we treat each other, in how we interact with our God, how we interact with ourselves and each other. It's the things that we do. So there's, there's two aspects of that, right? In Romans 3, 12 through 20, 
This is like the middle of the tunnel, by the way, the darkest moment, so just bear with me. Romans chapter 3, verse 12, uh, and we're gonna read through 20. It says this. Because just, if you think it's just like, I took the last brownie and it was on the counter and I knew it was for my kid the next day, but it just looks so good and I deserved it. I work hard. My kid doesn't do anything, right? It's all me. It's not just for that. That's not the problem that we are dealing with here. That's, that's an outpouring of the problem that we're dealing with here. It's not just me speeding on the Glen and maybe getting a ticket. It's not just me lying to protect my reputation. But there is a bigger issue that we struggle with. And God is a God of truth, and so we must face it. So here it is. Romans 3.12. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Who's he speaking to here? Me and you, us. He's speaking to us. I know you, you came to church today so that you could be called an unrighteous, worthless, death-speaking, mean-to-the-core, big bully who leaves hurt and destruction in your wake human being. Welcome to ACF. I'm just here to build up your self-esteem. But wait a minute. There's a reason. That, there's a reason that we're in the tunnel and that God wants us to understand what the true relationship is, what our true state is before him. It's this. Our awareness of our sin humbles us before a holy God. Our awareness of our sin humbles us before a holy God. It's meant to make sure we have a proper understanding of where we stand. It's not, it's not sugarcoating it. It's not hard to, or it's not easy to swallow, but it's the truth. It's to level the playing field so that I don't look around and go, well, you know, I've seen your sin and mine's not that bad. I saw you, I saw you yell at your spouse outside church the other day. Like, I know I'm not that bad, so I'm okay, right? It's so we won't compare. It's so we won't say somehow I've got it figured out. I've, I'm just a better person. I'm nicer. I'm kinder. I'm more polished. So therefore, God likes me more. Now, we're, we're all in the same ocean drowning together. That's the image that God puts before us. A holy, righteous God, we are not him. We are not that. And the reality and the truth, the truth is our sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 says it this way, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So there's the bad news. That's all of us. We all fall short. None of us measured up. You're in good company, being a dirty, rotten sinner. But wait, there's more. It gets worse. It gets worse because this is the truth. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to death. 
Sin doesn't just lead to bad feelings from God. Sin leads to him because of who he is. He must deal with the sin. Sin punishes us or destines us for an eternity away from God. Romans 6.23 says it this way, for the wages of sin is death. Think about that for a second. We're all in the same boat. We all have inherent sin, inherited sin in our lives. We all do things that separate us from the God who is holy, righteous, and just. We hurt each other. We do things that are not in our best interest. But Romans 6, 23, and I love it, continues this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. Here's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's, that's great news. It's only great news if you understand why it's great news. It's great news because none of us, not a single person in this room or on this planet, can do anything to restore our righteousness before God. We can't do it. We don't have it in us, and we don't do it. We run from God constantly. But the good news is it doesn't rely on us. It relies on Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So what's wrong with me? The problem is we're all hopeless sinners. We're broken. We're broken people, so what can we do? Nothing. We don't have it in us. We can't do anything except to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who came down and lived a perfect life, who willingly went to a cross in your stead, died on that cross, was put in a grave, was buried, raised again from the dead, and something happened on that cross. And this is what happened. Your sin was put on to Jesus Christ who knew no sin, didn't deserve it, but he willingly took your sin and it's called, he was imputed or imputation. It's, a, it's an accounting term that is like, if you think of like, you're adding up all of the stuff, right? You're keeping track in a ledger of all of your accounts. So you have this account that is just full of debt and sin. Jesus said, I'll take it all. It's, it's, it's good, it's balanced, it's mine. And he took his righteousness, which he alone has, and imputed it to us, put it in our account. So when God looks at the ledger book, guess what he sees? Righteousness. That is amazing news. I don't know if you, you, you should be like, that is the best news I could hear ever. Because you can be made right with the, the God who created you through faith in Jesus Christ. Do we follow God so that I can be a better dad when I'm driving with my kids? Do I follow God so that I can be a better husband to my wife, better coworker? No. Those are great things. Those are great byproducts of following a holy, righteous, and just, and loving, and merciful God. We follow God to bring glory to God. We follow God because he has given us a free gift, a gift that allows us to pull away from being bound to sin and live a righteous and holy life before him. We now have, we've been set free to walk before him. We follow God because without, we follow Jesus because without Jesus, we have no hope. We are still in our sins. The good news is that Jesus Christ is giving you a free gift. He's offering it to you. So if I'm a believer in Jesus, which I am, why do I keep, Sinning. Why don't I just instantly become, if I've, 
if I've been adopted into the family of God, as Scripture tells me, if I've been declared righteous before God, why is it that I still struggle day to day, hour to hour? Sometimes I don't even get out of my door of my bedroom without offending somebody in my house. Why is it that I keep doing that? What is the deal? There's this sin nature in me that won't let go. It's in its death thralls in my life. It's going to hold on tight. So there's this thing that happens, and it's a word, it's a churchy word called sanctification. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, I understand that there's been an exchange, my sin for his righteousness. That's a good deal, by the way. You should look into it. When I do that, I am declared righteous, sanctified. I am set apart. I am adopted into the family of God, something that cannot be taken away from me. There's a process that we go through then as the Spirit works inside us, the Spirit of God works in us, we are sanctified. We are being sanctified, made more holy. We are being made more into the image of Christ as we go. It's a, it's a lifelong process, and it's not an excuse to sin. It's not an excuse to just, well, I, I, Jesus' righteousness, I can just do whatever I want. I don't need to deal with this. It's because of Jesus' righteousness, we should be responding to that by learning who our God is, by learning who we are, and making some, some honest interaction with our heart on those things. So it's a lifelong process. You're always going to struggle with it. So how do, we, how do we grow? How do we work through this? What's a practical thing that I can do in my own life that helps me to become more Christ-like, that helps me to be a part of that sanctification process? How do I do that? Get to know your creator. It sounds so simple. Get to know who God is. Why do we read scripture? So we can get to know God. We can understand who he is, what he's like, how he interacts with people throughout history. He hasn't changed. He's still interacting with us the same way. Get to know the, the scriptures. When we get to know our creator, we start to see who we are truthfully in our place. We also get to see who other people are. We can have mercy on people because we've received that mercy. We can show grace because God has given us grace. We can speak truth because we see the truth of God and it doesn't change. We can choose to follow Jesus Christ, not just an intellectual understanding that he's God's son, that he came, he did these things, but a, a true walk of faith where I believe that what Jesus is telling me is the best for my life is the best and I will walk in that regardless of what anybody else tells me is the best for my life. That's what we do daily, weekly, monthly. So remember, and this is really important, write, write this down, please, and remember this. Sin is a liar, but God is a healer. Sin is a liar, but God is a healer. Each week we, we encourage you to fill out these action steps that are at uh, the bottom of the card that you came in with or on the, the app as well. There's a little perforation at the bottom and it does feel really good to tear that off, so go ahead and you could, I encourage you to do that. Uh, you could, 
as we're, I'm going to walk through these in just a second, but if you put your name and some contact info, we're not coming over to your house. We're not going to put you on some list. The only thing we're going to do is just remind you that you checked a box on this card. And if you, when you're done with this, you can drop it in one of the doors by you leave, uh, before you leave. And then sometime this week, you're going to get a text. You checked a box. It's, it's not a judgment. It's simply a reminder because I'm, I'm preaching this message. And tomorrow, actually, when I get home, it's going to be about the chaos of trying to feed a big family. It's going to be about which show we're going to watch. Did the rooms get clean? And then by tomorrow, I'll be like, I don't even remember what I preached on. And I'm pretty sure you're, you'll probably forget a lot of what I preached on uh, today. But you fill that out, it'll help you remind you. So it's a, it's a tool if you want to take it. It's a, it's a way to maybe take a step. So here's some action steps I want to encourage you to, to consider. The first is believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's where it all starts. That's, that's the bottom line. And the second is get to know God better by reading the Search History Series Guide this week. Uh, for, for several weeks, we've put that out on the seats. Uh, we have some by the uh, doors. If you ask for them, they can get you one. Uh, they're online as well. You can go to our website and check it out. We have a great a bunch of resources uh, that are available digitally that you can get to through the app as well as through our website and encourage you to check them out. That's one of them. And that's really the, it's, it's a great way if you've not started reading uh, scripture, if you're, you're wondering like, how do I get to know God? It will, it'll go, kind of walk you through as we eat, go through week by week right now through this series of different scriptures and passages that will help show you the heart uh, and, and mind of God. So encourage you to do that. Three, uh, ask a trusted friend if there are ways that you don't reflect the glory of God. Uh, that's, this is like, this is the extra credit one because it's hard. When you ask somebody, give them license to speak truth into your life. Super bonus points, and I will pray for you if it's your spouse because that's going to be, you might want to take notes, just, just a hint. But when was the last time that we asked somebody for the truth in our life? I like to live my life like I'm doing everything right, you're doing everything wrong. And I can justify all of my behavior because it's all me-centered me in my life. I am the star of my own movie. When you invite somebody else into that, you start to see truth. And that is, that is the God who we serve, is truth. Um, number four, confess a sin to God. A lot of times I make sure my relationships are good. I try to keep a short list with people. Not always awesome at it, but I try. But sometimes I fail to remember. Does God forgive us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ of everything we've ever done, are doing, or will do? Yes. Yes, that's, that's the righteousness of God. That's an amazing gift. But there's a relational issue that, that is broken any time that we, we violate that relationship with God. It, it is broken. There's something that comes between us. I feel that guilt and shame, and I need to address it. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is not waiting to crush you. He is waiting for you to come home. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for your great love for us. Lord, that you had a plan laid out even before you created the world. We walked with your image, Lord, in perfect relationship with you, and then we put something between us, and we can't shake it. It's in us, and it can frustrate us, and it can destroy us, and ultimately it leads to death, spiritual and physical. 
Lord, we believe that lie too often that sin tells us that it's, it's going to be different this time. But Lord, we thank you that you are a God of truth and you speak the truth. And though it's a hard pill to swallow, Lord, we need you. We can do nothing aside from you. Lord, we thank you for the gift, the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that you have taken his righteousness and placed it on us and taken our sin and you placed it on him. Lord, help us to be people who get to know the God who created them. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we can have to walk in front of you. We pray that we would use that freedom to glorify you and bring glory to you. We love you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.